busted hearts This is for the question marks This is for the outcast so lost control No one knows Sing it for the can't go back Sing it for the broken past Sing it for the just found out Life is now upside down Grace, more than I've asked for, more than I. 
Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you. If you want to make your way and find your seat, uh, grab your last cup of coffee and something to eat. We're going, hey, that just rhymed. That's pretty good, right? I didn't even plan that. Anyway, it's good to be here together uh, this morning. And, you know, there is something special about gathering in a place uh, with uh, other believers, those that are seeking the Lord uh, to worship, to worship. And all that we're going to do here this morning together. Uh, is to worship God. We're going to worship God through music in just a moment. We love to do that here at Trinity. We're going to worship God by opening his word and, of course, through prayer and through fellowship. Our worship, church, is our response to God's goodness to us. So as we reflect on and as we remember how good God is, and not just in the things he's done for us, but for who he is, very simply, who he is in his nature, that it just moves us to worship him, to give him praise and honor and glory. And that's our desire for what we will do here this morning together, right? And uh, so just a, as, a, as a reminder before we uh, have a call to worship through his word, that here at Trinity we have three words that are important to us, our core values that we learn we grow and we serve. It's how we pursue being followers of Jesus, his disciples. We learn the truth and we grow in faith and trust in him and then we serve and we serve each other and we serve the world around us. You're gonna be hearing a little bit later about some uh, service that happened, some outreach, some people from the church that went out yesterday, so you'll be hearing uh, some stories about that uh, in a little while. But uh, what I'd like to do now is just read from the word of God this is from Psalm 145, as our call into worship. So just allow the word of God to set your hearts right, to, um, to, to fill your mind and prepare you to be able to enter uh, into his presence and uh, as we come before his throne of grace, as the word of God calls it, we are reminded that we have the great privilege through Jesus Christ and his atoning work on the cross to come before a holy and righteous and perfect God. We can only do that because of Christ. And so we get to worship and honor him and uh, what a privilege it is. So here's what it says from Psalm 145. Let these words of truth encourage you and encourage you as you enter into a time of worship. 
It says this, I will extol you, my God, O king. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all and his mercies are over all his works. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your powers to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Let's stand together to worship. Father God, we thank you that your hand is stretched out before us as our great provider, Jehovah Jireh. We thank you that you provide all that we need in due time, in due season, as we trust in you. But thank you, Father, for your encouraging word this morning, that we are to commend your mighty works to the next generation, that we are to lift our voices together in praise of you because of who you are and all that you have done for us. Thank you that you are the one who cares for us and you are the one who provides. Thank you that we have all that we need in you. In Jesus' name we praise you and we say thank you. Amen. Church, let's worship the Lord together.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Say good morning to somebody next to you. Tell them how great your God is. When I'm feeling low And my heart is weak I know you have the strength You will carry me When I'm Well, we can make our way back to our seats. It's good to get some extra time of fellowship in. Remember that we have our uh, morning uh, coffee and breakfast fellowship every Sunday, 945. Uh, and that's uh, in addition to our different groups that meet on Sundays. We have our life recovery group that meets here down the conference room at uh, 9 a.m. And of course, our Dig Deeper class that meets every Sunday at uh, 9.30. And so uh, many different ways to uh, to gather on Sunday mornings, even before our worship service here, uh, to get uh, some extra time in the Word and some fellowship, learning and growing together. And so uh, we're grateful that we can have those opportunities. So take full advantage of those. Um, hopefully on the way in, you are given one of these cards, Take Grace to Your World. This is going to be our theme and our message for this morning. If you don't have one, can you raise your hand and someone will come in and bring it to you. Everybody has one, that's great. We've been given one out, a different card every week uh, for the theme of that day. And of course, these go along with and represent our discipleship pathway. And this is the initiative that we launched a few weeks ago. Uh, it is what we are uh, talking about this fall as we look at what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. And so this is a great resource that we are uh, instituting here at Trinity Bible Church that we will be able to use going forward, not only uh, for the leadership to help uh, make sure that we are providing resources and helping all of you to grow in these areas of being a disciple, but it's a great resource for you to use to help each other. And so I know that most of you have gotten these pamphlets. We have plenty of these because in here it uh, lays out the pathway. And uh, we have identified 12 different steps from the scriptures. Uh, and each of these steps encompasses a few different aspects of what it looks like to be a Christ follower, a disciple of Jesus. And uh, we've gone through a few of them already. Of course, every disciple's journey starts at the same place, and that is uh, being uh, uh, trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation. And uh, that's where every disciple starts. From there, how we uh, get to and land on any of the other 12 uh, steps and areas of being a disciple might look different. You see in that, in that uh, pathway uh, image, you'll see there are different wavy lines because it's not a linear path. 
But yet, each one of those stepping stones is vitally important, because we glean those right from Scripture, vitally important to the life of every believer, no matter what it looks like for you to get there, or how uh, your individual story and your unique personality and giftings um, you know, come about in each of those. These are important steps. And so this morning, in just a minute or two, we will be looking at what it means to take grace to our world. We've been talking a lot about grace, how the grace of God, the understanding of the nature and the purpose of grace is interwoven through every one of these 12 steps of being a disciple of Jesus. So we continue to talk about grace. Uh, Just a few things to get caught up on uh, before we dive into God's word and talk about taking grace to our world. Uh, If you remember that uh, we've been announcing this for a few weeks, but Next weekend, this coming weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday, we have our fall harvest party, and there's kind of two parts to that. The main thing is next Saturday, the 29th, October 29th, at uh, 5 p.m., we're gathering here, and this is a combined fellowship event with the Allenwood Church uh, right down the road in Allenwood here, and uh, Pastor Dave Berkey is a good friend of mine, and we uh, have a podcast together with another local pastor, and, and we like to, whenever we can, um, to get together, get the two churches together, and so this is going to be just a great time of fun and fellowship, and so uh, hopefully you're available to come to that. That is next Saturday, uh, starting at around 5 o'clock, and uh, it'll be an evening event, and we will be having um, uh, just a fall harvest party. There'll be food. We're going to ask everybody just to bring a side dish, sort of like a we do for our Sunday um, Fellowship lunches, it's going to be a barbecue. We're going to be uh, having a, a traditional Hawaiian pig roast, as you've heard me say. And that's something that the men are going to prepare the night before. I'll talk about that in a second. So we're just asking anybody that can come, just go to the website and sign up. Of course, it's a free event. It's just a time of fellowship and fun. But we just want to have an idea of how many people are planning to, to come out so we know uh, you know about how much food to provide. But um uh, the, the main courses will be provided, but if you're uh, planning to come out, just bring a, a side dish and uh, just something that goes along with barbecue. We can enjoy that together, but we'll also be providing um, uh, hot, hot apple cider and cider donuts and just kind of making it a, a fall festival time, and there'll be games, and we'll be outside and inside and weather permitting. So just looking forward to that. So bring some friends and family and uh, enjoy a good time. So it's five o'clock next Saturday, but just uh, register on the website. So we have an idea of how many people are going, but the night before, so that's this coming Friday, the 28th will be a men's event. And uh, so all men are invited men from the Allenwood church and from Trinity will be gathering here. Uh, anytime after five o'clock is good guys, but, um, like uh, most people get in here between like 6.30 and 7, but there'll be a few guys getting here a bit earlier. So any time after 5 o'clock is good because what we're going to be doing is just having some time of fellowship for the guys, and uh, we will be preparing for the Fall Harvest Festival the next day. We're actually going to be preparing um, to do the pig roast, and it's going to be a traditional Hawaiian style. And so um, if you're interested, just go ahead and sign up on the website as well. Again, of course, that's free. We just want to have an idea of how many guys are coming out to that. Um, A few guys will be staying over as well if you're so inclined to stay the night. We're going to be camping out. A couple of guys are bringing their their RVs and their campers. Some guys will be crashing out here to church or pinching a tent uh, because we're going to be roasting this pig all night. 
And so I know there's a, a lot of guys who are like, yeah, and a lot of ladies are just like, what is that? And so um, anyway, so it'll be a unique opportunity. If you want more information, just let me know. But uh, that's Friday night is the guys' event. So come out, just get some good fellowship with the men, and we'll be preparing. Uh, it's actually a quite an involved process, and so it'll take some time. And yes, men, it involves building a big fire, and so that should get most of us out, right? Want to come and do that, and uh, we'll be staying up. And of course, if you can't stay all, all night, stay as long as you can. Enjoy some some fellowship and time together. That's Friday night, and then Saturday at 5 o'clock is uh, when all church, both churches will get together and have our fall harvest party, okay? So uh, go to the website and get more information about that. Uh, we have our coat drive. We do this annually for the Jersey Shore Rescue Mission, and they are one of our missionary partners, our missions partners locally in Asbury Park. So we are collecting uh, new or gently used coats, and you see the, the bin, that the container that is out there in the lobby. And so we're doing that this whole fall into the winter, but if you would like to serve on the day when the rescue mission actually gives out the coats, that is November 19th, we would just ask that you would sign up because you do need to register in order to volunteer. So if you have questions about that, you can call the mission, you can see me, or you can talk to Andrew or Elizabeth Thomas who head up our missions team if you're interested in actually volunteering at the mission on November 19th to help prepare and hand out the coats to the people in need in that community, all right? So there's two parts to that. We're collecting coats, and you can also register and sign up to volunteer on that day. We've done that the last few years, and it's a great opportunity. You get to meet a lot of people. You'd be surprised um, uh, how big of an event it is and how well attended, and it shows how big the need is. And so it's always good to be able to, to, to get out and to serve. And then speaking of that, just the last thing, uh, I wanted to just thank everybody that, that came out yesterday as part of our monthly outreach. Our missions team tries to provide at least once a month an opportunity to, to go out and to share the gospel and uh, to help people in need. And so we had uh, a bunch of people that gathered yesterday in Newark around Penn Station, and we went to a little park that was right outside of Penn Station right there in downtown Newark. And uh, boy, it was crowded. Now the weather helped, it was a beautiful weather day, but there were a lot of people there. And uh, we brought blessing bags, and once you know, it didn't take very long to just give away all of the blessing bags. We gave away the bags that the blessing bags came in, because yep, there was a need for them, and how amazing that was, that I even had a bag of blessing bags, and I was almost done with it, and the, and the lady I was talking to and praying with, she said, can I have that bag? And I had given her one, and she said, no, the bag that you have that you're carrying them in, and she had a need for it. I said, of course, and so we gave her that as well, and so I just want to thank everybody, because we got to, to meet with dozens of people, men and women. We have all their names. We're praying for them, and we got to pray with so many of them. And I'll share a little bit more later in my message about what that day looked like, but it was a blessing to all. And we got to go and most importantly, share the hope of Jesus. We prayed with people, we handed out blessing bags, which met a very practical, immediate need. And we got to tell people the story of Jesus. And we got to tell people our story, right? Our story of faith in Christ. So what I'd like to do now is I'm going to invite a couple of people up. First, I'd like Paula uh, to come on up. And Paula is going, Paula Bullock is going to share uh, just briefly about 
her experience yesterday in being able to share the story and share the gospel. If you remember last week, we talked about sharing, telling your story, telling the story. So listen to Paula as she tells her story about yesterday. Go, yeah, it's on. Um, so uh, thank you. I, I, yesterday, I just like, I was thankful that God provided the opportunity for me to be able to um, just have off work and what better day to spend with Andrew and he's always so encouraging and all my brothers and sisters in Christ. So I was thankful for that. And the, the, the drive up there was great too. Um, got to bug Pastor Keith with questions. So it's just a beautiful day to go out. Um, so we were out there and just one experience I had, uh, Prema and I were speaking to two guys. Um, one was Hindu and one was Muslim and Prema had a little bit more knowledge and stuff to share with them. And, they were maybe jiding us a little bit, um, and but one openly came out. You know, a lot of people you ask if they want prayer, and they say, "No, nah, I'm okay." Of course, they aren't because we always need prayer. But they passed you by. This guy just said, "I need to pray that Satan be taken out of me," and I said, "My God can do that." So we prayed over him. But as we were talking and talking with this guy, another guy came up to the side of him. And he, you could see he was just listening. So I asked him his name. His name was Pedro. I said, that's my favorite name, Peter, because I love Peter in the Bible. And um, so I sat talking with him in a little bit. And I said, do you believe? And he wasn't quite sure he was going to heaven. And Andrew puts those little cards in there, the sinner's prayer. So I just sat down with him and I said, do you want to, you know, repeat after me and pray the sinner's prayer? And he did. So, I mean, that was just a beautiful thing um, to see. And nobody knows his heart, right? You have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you will be saved, right? So we don't know his heart, but hopefully that's one link in the chain and hopefully he is and he that was true from his heart and, and he is saved and it made a difference. But um, just an, it's an absolutely encouraging day. And um, I'll tell you that the Life Recovery Group is also extremely encouraging. And today we're reading this. It just goes along with everything. It's back in Deuteronomy. Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life, and if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land I swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I just thought that was so fitting, so I just wanted to share some scripture, and I... Really hope Pastor Keith gets to share the story he had too. I mean, just all amazing things. So I just encourage you to come out anytime. I'd like to ask uh, Frank De Palma if he would uh, come up. And Frank has um, agreed to share part of his story. Right? Remember last week we were talking about part of, <clears throat> excuse me, being a disciple is. Learning how and knowing how to share your story, your testimony, but then also sharing um, the story. And so thank you, Paula, for sharing just one of those, those many things that happened yesterday. And so, Frank, if you'd be willing to share what God has put on your heart about your story. It's on. So my story, I feel, is a story of growth. Um, I feel like the Holy Spirit's been tugging at my heart my entire life. Growing up as a kid, going to grammar school, um, being in, I was in Catholic school and we learned the commandments and just a, a quick example. And yeah, you know, we taught, then a few days later we're praying and we're praying to everyone but God. 
and I asked the question, I said, are we breaking the commandment? And, you know, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, you pray to God, right? If you pray to anyone else, you're false gods before us. You're crazy, you know. So, you know, in the interest of time, just going on and on. And finally, a couple, you know, years later, I meet my future wife. Um, We date, we get engaged, we get married, we have three beautiful girls. Um, Sorry. (laughs) So, uh, things are still, we're still in Catholic Church, things, I'm not saying anything bad, this is my experience. So, things are just going normal, uh, stagnant, straight line. You know, I'm not growing. It's just you get one verse and nothing else. So, I wasn't happy, and my in-laws, which happened to be Christians, said, well, well, you go on Saturday, why don't you come with us on Sunday, try it and listen to our church? So I was like, okay. So we get there, and it's like, wow, mind-blowing, you know? People so nice, just like this church, welcoming. Um, They had a band, like, wow, what's that? Christian rock, what's that? And my kids were excited, you know? And then um, you hear the passage, a passage, not a verse, and then other passages, time. I'm like, this is like a history lesson. This is what I've been looking for. So then I go there, it was Bible study, I'm all in. I join the worship team, I'm playing with the bass. Everything's great. And then I feel like, I say God says I wasn't growing anymore. I, was, I, I got stagnant. You know, I went from a big leap, got stagnant. Could have been the enemy infiltrating, but next thing you know, I'm getting divorced after 26 years. And uh, I'm going through a total hip replacement. I'm getting divorced. You know, four marriage counselors later, it's done deal. So... My life's upside down. I'm devastated. My kids are devastated. And all terrible things are going on. And I'm mad at God. Like, I'm doing all I'm supposed to do. Why would you do this to me? How did you do this to me? And along the way, how many things, but like, I'll just say three major things, was looking for a house, looking for a church, and um, getting a transfer. And how hard it was, like just ups and downs, four houses falling through. I have to find a house. Some Two of my kids want to live with me. I'm trying to find a house. Up north, you can't buy anything. <laughs> After the summer, you know, even renting was terrible. So if houses were falling through, transfers were falling through. I, I was mad at God. I was yelling at him every day. But I will say this, every day, every hour, every minute, I'm yelling at God. But I was never more close to God and not realizing. You know, when you hit that crossroad, either run from God or you run to God. I thought I ran from him, but I was actually running straight at him. So in the interest of time, so many other things happened. So finally, I, I, I find my church. Um, everything settled down. So you go back and look back, and I, wow, you see God's footsteps throughout the entire process. I look back, just all those houses that fell through, one had septic tank problems, one had uh, electric, one had uh, in-ground oil tank. Wow, thank goodness. I didn't get that. I got the house I was supposed to get. Job transfer. All the jobs I didn't get were either part-time or, you know, actually collapsed routes. So I get a route that gets a lot of overtime. It's great. I work for FedEx, by the way. Sorry. And then the church. I didn't even care about what church I got. My uh, elders from the other church, Bible study teachers, they were all looking for me, looking out for me. They gave me five churches. And I said, this is five minutes from my house. I'm going there. And they said, no, no, you're going to Trinity. And I said, that's the furthest one of the five you gave me. And they're like, you need to be at Trinity. I'm like, I says, I'm done arguing with people. I, okay, I'll go to Trinity. And what a great decision that was, because you guys are a great family, loving family. Pastor Keith's a great teacher. Um, this is now I'm growing again. 
and I grew so much. And as you see all those footsteps of God, I was like, just wow. I said, he was really in my life so much where I thought he left me. And I, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of, train of thought. But um, what am I going to say? So he's in my life. I look back and I'm like, wow, what a blessing God was. So basically, you know, if he could do all this for me in my life, I don't see why he wouldn't be able to do it for anyone else. And, you know, I truly feel, just want to say this, that in these times that we do need to do these testimonies, I hope that I help someone or, I mean, there's so much, I'll talk to anyone later on, like what I went through, but I hope I help someone, encourage someone, or just gave someone actually the courage to do this and speak to people, because we need to spark people. They can see that light, that joy and hope with that is within us, and we need to share it, and hopefully we'll bring people to Christ, because... He is so good, and I realize that Jesus is, is relevant in everything we do, he, no matter who you are, no matter what si situation you're in, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Paula, for taking the opportunity, being willing to share. Um, I, I do hope, as Frank said, and pray that, that you would be willing to share with others here in this room, in this church family, your story, because you never know what God's going to do and what he's going to use to encourage somebody else or to challenge somebody. And then as we, you know, we gather here, but then we live right outside of these four walls and we have our jobs and school and, and the places where we live and shop and all that that's your community, and you are to take right, grace to that world. Grace meaning the grace of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ and the transformation that he brings. The word of God tells us that we are ambassadors for him and that we are ministers of the, the ministry of reconciliation. And uh, that's going to be what we're looking at this morning. And so you heard a couple of stories. And remember, as we discussed last week, every disciple of Jesus Christ has a story. You have a testimony. You have a unique story to tell that only you can live and only you can tell. But of course, in the process of telling others about Jesus and you, you are telling them and sharing with them the gospel, the truth about salvation in Christ, rescue in Christ, hope in Christ, and in him alone. Amen? Amen. And so I did want to share one story, one experience of my own yesterday. And of course, there were many. And as Frank said, and as Paula mentioned, I encourage all of you, uh, ask some others that went along. Ask Paula, ask Mark to share more stories, hear more about what happened yesterday, because we try to create these opportunities every month. They might look different, but yesterday was unique and special. And I was reminded of a couple things. As we went to this place, and it sounds silly, it's right here in our state in Newark, and all my family grew up in Newark, both sides of my family, my mom and my dad grew up there and were born there. Their parents were born there, and so I have a lot of roots there. Um, but we went to this place, and in many ways, it felt like a foreign land. It really did. And uh, many people spoke Spanish, and uh, so that was very noticeable. 
People were living a bit differently, looking differently, if I'm just being honest, right? It was inside of a city, and it's not kind of like what we're used to around here. But see, those things are good when we talk about getting out of our comfort zone and putting yourself in a, a position, in a scenario that is different from what you're used to, because that is often where God shows up and will use you and grow you and challenge you. And so it did seem like a foreign land in many ways. And people are living their lives very differently. It was much more of a hurried pace. But the particular place where we were, this little park right outside of Penn Station, was full of people in need. They were there congregating. Many of them were drinking. Many were waiting. We didn't even know what they were waiting for. We found out later. We kind of thought they were waiting for us. But in some ways, they were, right? And we showed up with blessing bags and with hope and just the willingness to be available and used by the Lord, and we did. And there were people with great needs, all with their own individual stories. You got to hear one that Paula shared, and we got to talk to many, many people. And I got to talk to one man named Santiago, and he was drunk, and there was a group of guys that were there drinking. You could tell they were drunk, but he was coherent enough to talk, and and, uh, he spoke broken English, but he was telling me that he had been a youth pastor at a local church, but yet alcohol got a hold of him. Alcohol was part of how he fell away from his church, his job, his calling, and from his fellowship with the Lord. And he told me in so many words that he knew Jesus, he knew the Holy Spirit was in him as a believer, but he also knew that the enemy was using alcohol to try to kill him, to try to take him away from God. And he was discouraged, to say the least. He was frustrated. And he seemed like he had no hope. I want to share another thing that's connected to that. We were also reminded yesterday, even though it was encouraging and so disheartening at the same time, because some of the stories we heard and people that we were talking to, as the day unfolded, we noticed other people in different vans and, and, and cars pulling up alongside this park, they were opening their doors and setting up tables and bringing out food. And what happened was there was three other churches and ministries that showed up that day to serve food and to hand out items and to bring the hope of Jesus. Now, of course, we didn't know that was going to happen. And so on all three sides of this sort of triangular park, there were other brothers and sisters in the Lord who had the same calling and the same desire to come and to help people in need. They were providing food, we were providing blessing bags, and they all told us that after they do this, they've been there, they come every couple of weeks, afterwards they come and they pray. And they pray for the people that they just got done serving. And we said hallelujah because we were encouraged that after we were going to leave in the early afternoon, we knew and then we're encouraged that there would be other Christians there continuing the ministry and praying for people and helping them. And you could see as they pulled up, the people just got up from where they were sitting, even the people we were talking to got up and went to get in line because they knew that there was hope coming. But let me tell you one thing I noticed about my friend Santiago and others that were there especially this group of men that were there drinking 
and they were encouraging each other in their drinking, if you know what I mean, not being good or a help to each other. There was one particular van that showed up, and it had the word hope on it in big letters. Hope from Newark. Hope one from Newark. There was one guy there, he set up a table, and had a bunch of pamphlets and information. So I went to ask him what it was all about. And he said that he was from the city of Newark, representing the city, and he had information on all the resources that the city of Newark provides, whether it's a rehab, a drug addiction facility, whether it's for shelter or jobs or how to, to apply for citizenship or to apply for um, for health services, whatever it is. He had dozens of pamphlets of information. And there was also a couple of Christian books there. And I said, how are you doing? I introduced myself. He said, his name is Mike. I said, Mike, the city of Newark lets you put out these Christian resources? He said, no, no, I put those out. <laughs> I praise the Lord. So got to talking about what we were doing. And here is a believer, even representing the city of Newark. But here's what struck me, church. Here's what struck me. these other churches that came, Lord bless them, they brought food and they brought help. People just rushed to get in line to get the free food they needed. There was no one standing at the table where Mike was. This big bus that said hope on it and had a table full of resources, they were all sitting. They got their free food, they drank their beer, not one of them went to get the hope that was being offered. I talked to Santiago, and I was talking to Elizabeth. She helped translate. And he said he wanted to get in touch with his pastor. Remember, this is a guy who was a youth pastor who had fallen and let alcohol take over, and he was now a slave to this addiction. And so Elizabeth took his phone, and he said, can you do this? Can you call my my pastor, and so she called up and talked to the pastor, and he said, he is welcome. He just needs to come right now. If he can come back to where we are, he knows where we are, we will welcome him in and take him in. She said, Santiago, they want to take you back. They want to help you, get you the help that you need. He said, I'll, I'll go later. I said, Santiago, I'll, I'll take you right now. I'll buy the train ticket for you so you can get there. He said, it's just a couple of stops up the train line from, from Penn Station. So, no, I'll go later. I said, you don't even have to go with me. I'll go get the ticket and bring it back, and you can go right now. I said, thank you. I'll, I'll find my way later. He went back and sat down and kept drinking his can of beer. Church, what a visual illustration. That here is a van that says hope on it with all of the resources, Christian or not, but a guy named Mike with extra Christian resources who they would talk to, it was available 100 feet away. They chose not to take it. Now, praise God, there was food for them. They took what could feed their immediate need, but yet there was hope that would bring them, that would be more than just one meal, that would help them, in, the, in, a, in, a, in a more profound way, and they chose not to take it. And it was all offered for free. Jesus Christ offers us salvation. He offers us rescue. And he says, I've done it all. It's free. Here it is. All you need to do is receive it by faith. But how many people 
see that there is hope, the only hope that's offered to this world available, and they choose not to take it, and it's free. We often will take just something that will fit and ease an immediate need, but the offer of hope that lasts for eternity is right there, yet nobody was visiting that bus just like so many church they need to hear they know they have been told about the hope in jesus but yet they say i'll go later maybe later santiago i'll I'll buy you the ticket and you can go right now and get the help you need you can get away from even these guys that are not encouraging you in the right way thank you thank you for the offer i'll go later We have a story to tell. We have the truth of the hope in Jesus Christ, the only hope that matters in this world, the hope of freedom, the hope of peace, the hope of life eternal. The scripture tells us that how are people going to know if they do not hear, and how are they going to hear if if no one preaches, and how are people going to preach if they're not sent Church, we are sent. We are ambassadors of Christ. Paul tells us this in 2 Corinthians 5. You want to turn to it if you'd like. In your Bibles, um, maybe you have your app on your phone. There's Bibles there in front of you. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. If you don't want to turn to it, you can just listen to me read it. But here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. And I just want to spend the last few minutes of our time together sharing with you what it means to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, an ambassador of peace, an ambassador of freedom, church, an ambassador of hope. What does that mean, that word? Why are we called ambassadors for Christ? And what does it even look like? 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. Paul says it this way. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ... God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Paul says we are ambassadors. What's an ambassador? I think we all might have at least a general understanding of what an ambassador is. We know from the the form of government we have, and many other countries have ambassadors too, but an ambassador is very simply this, a representative, right? In the Latin, the word actually means servant. So an ambassador is a servant, and I'm sure that the apostle Paul was using it that way as well. We are servants of Christ. We are representatives of Christ. But more particularly, and this is important for our our theme this morning, an ambassador 
represents one kingdom or one country or nation to another one. So an ambassador is one from one country, as we understand it, that is appointed and sent by the leader of this country to go to this country and to live here and to stay here and to represent this country in this foreign land. To represent what? To represent all that this country, is home country, stands for. All of the values, all of the, the policies, all of the, the desires, the things that, that, that we want to see happen, what we stand for, right? what we value. We take this, we have a representative, an ambassador, and send that ambassador to a foreign land to represent. So in our context, we send representatives of the United States as ambassadors, we call them, to another country. They live there, they work there, and their sole purpose is to represent the values and the interests of America, of the United States, in this other country. We might call them diplomats. It's a diplomatic mission. Not to go to conquer, to tell them what they have to do, but to say, here's who we are, we're representing our interests in this land. The other country allows them to come in and they represent the interests of the other country. That is an ambassador, a representative. So the Apostle Paul says that we as Christians are ambassadors. What does that look like? Well, a few things, just four things mainly that I want to point out. One, we represent some other authority. See, an ambassador doesn't go from the United States to another country and represent his own authority and his own agenda and his own interests and values and plans. He represents the authority and the will of his or her country. What does that look like for us? As ambassadors of Christ, under whose authority do we go? Under whose authority are we sent? The authority of Jesus Christ not our own. We don't go representing our own will and our own um, ideas and our own values. We represent the authority of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, we've been reading this every week in our series on the discipleship pathway. It is the Great Commission. Jesus commissioning all of his ambassadors, right? In his last directive to them, he says, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says, I have all the authority. Now go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, he couches that directive with saying, I have all the authority and I'm sending you, and I'm going to be with you. My authority that I give to you is in me. I give it to you. You represent me now as my ambassador. Go, and I'm going to be with you. Right? It's like when the United States sends an ambassador to a foreign country, said, we are with you. We are behind you. We are sending delegates with you. And the, 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 the full authority and power of the United States, we are vesting in you. You represent us. Remember, in everything that you say and do, it comes from us. Jesus says the same thing. He says, I have all the power and authority. Now I'm sending you in my name. See that? An ambassador goes from one country to the other in the name of that country. We go 
to uh, this world that we live in, the authority of Jesus Christ, right? And in his name, representing him. So first thing about an ambassador is that we represent another authority and not our own. Our authority is Jesus Christ alone. Can I get an amen for that? Our authority is the very word of God, the word of Jesus Christ. We have to have an authority. We have to have a place to find truth or else anybody can define their own truth. And so here at Trinity, we believe that the Bible is the very word of God, inerrant and infallible. And so it is all that we need for life and practice and truth. Because it is the very word of God. So we have Jesus Christ sending us in his authority. He reveals himself to us through his word. We call it the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. So we have our directive. We have our source of truth and authority. It is what we stand on. It is what we then go and represent. But also another thing about ambassadors, yes, we, we are to represent another authority, not our own, but also then the message, and this is important, the message that we bring is also not our own. If an ambassador goes under the authority of the home country and not his own, that means what he is saying, the values, the, the ideas, the plans, the interests are also not his own but they belong to that sending country. So the message is also not our own, but of our king, of our authority. And I read again from 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. Paul says, all this is from God. See, it's all from God. The message is from God, right? And then he goes on to say in verse 19, uh, Christ is reconciling the world to himself. He says, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You see that? Paul is saying that Jesus Christ has entrusted to us, believers, together the church, the message of reconciliation. What is that message? The gospel, the good news. That he is now, from his authority, entrusted to us this message of hope. You know that, church? That we are the plan of God to bring hope to this world. He desires to use each of us. He desires to use you and your unique, uh, unique abilities and gifts and your story of faith in Christ to share with others. There were people that, that others that came yesterday, there were people that they could share with that I couldn't connect with. Stories, and they were telling their story. You could see how God was orchestrating and bringing different people together, right? There are always going to be people that other brothers and sisters in Christ can reach that perhaps I cannot. I'll give you an illustration. Uh, when I was younger, first a believer, uh, my best friend Tom and I, the one who led me to the Lord, we formed a band and we played Christian music, Christian rock music. And we took the kind of music that we loved and we put some, some uh, uh, lyrics to it that we believe came from scripture and, and spoke of our relationship with God and we played around. We played all kinds of places and, and we were representing Christ in that way and we played music. And we would often play uh, you know, concerts where there were other bands playing, three or four or five other bands, different stages and concerts and all that. And what we realized was that there were a certain group of people, mostly students, that would come and listen to the music we were playing. They were connecting with the music and the words we were singing. But then there was sort of a different crowd that would go to some of the other bands that were playing different styles of music 
that would be connected to them. And they were also Christian bands in these concerts, right? And they were able to communicate and talk about Jesus to this other group that we would never reach. You see, because they liked that style of music. The people that would come listen to us liked our style of music. So see, we realized we probably wouldn't have an audience with those other kids because of the style of music, but that's okay. Because these other groups playing a different style of music, yet still believers, were reaching that group. Do you see, we had a unique thing that we were doing, they had a unique thing, and God was orchestrating it, bringing people to hear the same message, but in a different way from different people. It's what I saw happening yesterday. There were other churches and ministries that were bringing food. We didn't bring food, they brought food. We didn't know they were showing up. They didn't know we were there. But see, God was orchestrating and bringing it together. We were meeting a need, bringing hope in different ways, in different formats. But God was bringing the people that we would talk to. And so, yes, an ambassador represents one kingdom, one nation, their authority, and he goes to a foreign land. Now, we know this is not our home. We praise God for that. We represent a different kingdom, a different country a different nation, right? One that we look forward to spending eternity in. But for now, as, as long as God has us here, we are in this world, which is not our home. In many ways, this is enemy territory, right? But yet we are representing Christ in this world with, with God's authority, right? Christ in us, his authority, but with his message and not our own. So we have been commissioned by our leader to go and be ambassadors in this world, right, for now. It also says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, that we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. When Paul says it in 2 Corinthians, it says, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation, or to the Thessalonian church, he says, approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, right? But what else does an ambassador do? We are sent, as I've said, from a kingdom or country to a foreign land elsewhere, right? We are sent out. So in two ways we represent that. One, because we are citizens of heaven here on earth. So we're representing God, the God of heaven here on earth in this foreign land, but also we are to go from our community and go out into the world, right? Whatever that looks like. Some brothers and sisters are called to go halfway around the world to really to a foreign country. Some of us are called to go down to downtown Newark and everywhere in between. In Acts 1, 6 through 8, uh, Luke, who wrote the, uh, wrote the book of Acts, he wrote the gospel of Luke in Acts, he says it this way, in Acts 1, 6 through 8. So he says, when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, and these are the disciples, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? There's that word again, to Israel. Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So he's saying, don't worry about that. You have a job to do, right? Don't worry about when you're going to get called home to your home country. You have a job to do now. He says in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See that? 
It is also a great commission. When Jesus says, don't worry about when I'm going to call you home. Yes, you're in enemy territory. And yes, I will come and bring my kingdom that you long for. I will come and do that. But until then, under my authority, with my message, you're going to go to these places. He says, you're going to be with the Holy Spirit in you, directing you, giving you power. Are you with me? He says, you're going to be my witnesses, my ambassadors, my servants, my representatives. Where? In Jerusalem, right there, in the center of that community. Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Go out. Like he says in the Great Commission, go therefore to all nations. So we come under someone else's authority, that's God's authority, with someone else's message, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, not our own. To a foreign land, because we are reminded this is not our home. We represent another kingdom. John 18 says it this way, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Jesus could not have made it clear, right? And finally, what's one more thing that an ambassador does? See, an ambassador would go and set up an embassy. You've heard that word before, right? We hear about that, an embassy. An embassy is basically the area where the ambassador lives and works and all of the foreign diplomats that work for him and with him. Right? So many countries, not all of them, but many countries have an embassy. So it's like the United States sends an ambassador to another country, and uh, we set up an embassy there. And that plot of land in this foreign country where that embassy sits, that is actually considered territory of that country. So if we send an ambassador to set up an embassy, let's say in France then that embassy, where it is physically located, is considered U.S. soil, okay? that little plot of land. France allows this. We do this all over the world. All the countries do this. But see, that embassy, the buildings, that land, whatever, that is where the ambassador lives and goes and all the diplomats that work along with them representing the United States. And so it is at that embassy that they bring the authority from under the authority of the sending country with the message and intents of the sending country right, to that foreign land and they will fly the flag of their sending country. So even in France and these other countries where we have embassies, the U.S. flag flies. It shows the foreign land who we represent. Now, this foreign land allows this, and they have embassies from all different countries, but it is the flag of the United States that says, oh, this is the U.S. embassy here in France, right? So any U.S. citizen that's over there needs help with anything, a visa, a passport, whatever, they get in trouble, they go to the U.S. embassy because they know that there are representatives, ambassadors, right, from their country. So they fly the flag. What's our flag? How do people know who we represent? See, a flag flies knowing, oh, they represent the U.S. What does your flag look like? What does it look like? Is it a tattoo of a cross? Is it a cross around your neck? Is it you saying the name 
that you recognize and represent the name of Jesus. What does our flag collectively look like at the church? See, isn't it interesting? Because, of course, we know in the Old Testament that the people of Israel, right, they were promised a land, and they had a land that they were given by God that they would go and to conquer and live in, right? That God said, this is your land. This is your land. This is your territory. This is where you are. This is holy land. This is what I have set up for you, God says. I'm giving this to you. This is a promise that God has made and that he will keep, right? Does the church have a land? Do we have a particular plot of land with borders? Do we have a country? No, we don't. Christ lives in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We represent him throughout all the nations. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations. See? So the church doesn't have our own little country and even our own flag that we all sit under. We don't send representatives. We don't just kind of sit in one place. We are sent to go and to represent Christ as his ambassadors and his servants all throughout the world. But yet, in a way, what is that flag that we fly? I believe it's love. Probably use some other words there. We should put grace in there. But what does Jesus say? the night before he was betrayed with his disciples and he was preparing them for his departure. He's telling them, I'm, I'm gonna come back, but this is what I have to do now. I have sent, I have been sent to die. You remember that new commandment he gave to them? He says, a new commandment I give to you. Just picture the disciples sitting there on that night and Jesus is preparing them. They didn't quite understand what was going on and they were sharing the last Passover meal with their master, their rabbi, and he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And then listen to what he says. By this, meaning by this love for each other, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The flag we fly is the flag of love. It's the love of God, which comes along with it the mercy and the grace, the freedom, the peace, the hope of God. That's the flag that we fly. Jesus says, now go. Until I come back, go and love one another. Love one another with the same love I have given you. That's how the world in the foreign land, you're my ambassadors and representatives. How are they going to know that you're mine? Because you're going to be spread out through the whole world, right? You don't just have a plot of land. You're spread out. How are they going to know the way you love each other? Well, you love each other. We went to downtown Newark yesterday. There were brothers and sisters, Christians, from different communities in New Jersey. Actually, a couple, one was from Brooklyn. That's a whole other country, right? And so coming to this place, and what a great testimony it was. They were from different areas, but they had the same hope, and in a, same, and in a way, we were flying the same flag because we were loving each other. Boy, we went and introduced ourselves to these different pastors and, and people that were representing. They were so glad we were there. We were glad they were there. We were shaking hands and hugging, and Aunt, Brother Andrew was taking selfies of us, right, so that we were all together. Look, we were like, we are doing this together. We didn't coordinate this. God did. You see? That we were here representing the same God, loving one another, loving one another, so that the world will know 
that we are his disciples. Finally, I conclude with this. I also believe there's another connection, one we don't often make, one that maybe we're more attuned to now more than ever. But when one country sends an ambassador and sets up an embassy in another country, if there is time of danger and war in this other country, the sending country will put them on alert, like the U.S., will contact the ambassador and the embassy in that other country, I was saying like France before whatever, and say, be aware, there's unrest in that country. There's the potential for danger in war, so be on alert and be aware. And God forbid, if there is war, and we've known that's how we've, of course that's happened, sometimes they need to say, you need to, to, to hunker down in the embassy, or if it gets too bad, say, we are going to rescue you we are going to fly you out, get you out of there, and bring you back to our home country because it's getting too dangerous for you. Church, I'll tell you one day, God's gonna say that to Jesus and say, enough is enough. Go and get my church because it's becoming too dangerous for them. We don't know when that'll be. We don't know the level of danger as Christians in this world, not of this world, that we will have to face, we don't know. Scripture tells us, I think it's clear, especially in the book of Revelation, what things will look like, but we don't know as a church how much of that we will have to endure. That's up to God. Jesus said, you don't know the times, just worry about what I've called you to do, because it's my authority, my message, from my kingdom into this world, this foreign territory, this enemy territory, you just do what I've called you to do. Go and make disciples. Be my ambassadors. Love one another, and the world will see as you fly that flag of love proudly as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. But I do believe one day it will be too dangerous, too much. We call that the rapture. When Jesus comes down and takes his church off of this earth because it tells us that we are not destined for wrath. First Thessalonians 5, I believe it is. We are not destined for that wrath. So one day, we don't know when, could happen at any point, Jesus will come and take us. Just like a country that has an embassy and its ambassador and says it's too dangerous, there's a war breaking out, and you're, you are in peril, we're going to take you out of there. One day, Jesus will do that for us, his church. But until then, it's our responsibility to reflect the official position of heaven, which is the love of Jesus Christ here on earth. Our directive is from God himself, not our own, found in his word, that's his message. So let us represent him well as his ambassadors until he returns. And remember, the word tells us we are to live in this world, but not be of this world. Can you stand? I want to read something to you. Let this be our closing word from the word of God as we stand together and listen to the Holy Scripture. Here's what it says. John 17, this is part of this beautiful high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ for me and for you. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you? We talk about praying to Jesus, we are to pray. Did you know that Jesus, while he was on earth, prayed for you? He prayed for us as the church. Listen to what he says, this is part of his prayer found in John 17. 
Jesus is talking to the heavenly Father and praying for us. He says, I am praying for them, Father. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All of mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I'm coming to you, Father. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as you and I are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now, Father, I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, Father, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So sanctify them, Father, in the truth, for your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in your truth. Father God, we thank you for our time together. We thank you that your word makes it so clear who we are and what we are called to do. Thank you, God, you've made it so simple. It's not always easy, but simple for us to understand that we are your ambassadors, Christ. We are your servants, your representatives, representatives of the kingdom of heaven here in this foreign land on earth, representing you with your authority, with the Holy Spirit within us, guiding and directing us, giving us power to say no to sin, the power to pray. With your message, the message of hope, the only message of hope that this world desperately needs. And you have sent us, sent us out into this world to fly high that flag of love. God, would you help us to love one another, to love one another in this church family, to love our brothers and sisters, the true church around this world, as they represent you and love each other well. God, may we all leave from this place understanding a little bit better that we represent you, not ourselves. So that when we go back into our communities and the, the places in which we live and work, God, that we would be understanding and sensitive to that calling that we represent you and your message and your kingdom. Father, one day you will return for us. We pray that it's soon. Come, Lord Jesus, as we sang, Lord, we will be a church, a bride waiting for you, ready. Until then, Lord. We want to be your ambassadors, representing you. And we will do it all, not in our name or anybody else's name, but in the name of Jesus, the one who sends us. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us, church. Thank you for joining us. Go and be ambassadors. Amen.